The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of the Talking Buds podcast. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad, man. Just finished off a Toronto Maple Leaf Nashville Predator game, and I'm ready Oof. to talk about it, my dude. Oh, okay, before we get into it, that, I want to say that game reminded me a lot of the Tampa game from a few weeks ago. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't hate their game tonight. I thought they played reasonably well. And they just ran into a good team with a good goalie, and it ended up getting away from them. They lose four nothing, and I don't think it was a four nothing game, but it's it like I said, reminded me exactly of the Tampa game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was just they they had their chances. They didn't have too many shots, but dude, a lot of their chances were prime chances and. I'm happy to see we're not the only NHL hockey team that has to rely on their goaltender to win them hockey games. But I I think Nashville and Toronto, like, those are two teams that if you, like, combine them, if you combine that blue line with the Toronto forwards or the Nashville work ethic with the Toronto skill, then you have, like, probably the best hockey team in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it's just a lot of things that didn't go their way tonight. Matthews had the goal called back on the ridiculous offside challenge. Nylander was offside 26 seconds before the goal went in, and it still gets called back. Just just an absurd, absurd call by the officials. Yeah, it's a pretty polarizing like topic. Like Some people are in the get it right camp. Like We just want to get it right no matter what. But then it's just like, what if we're in game seven and sudden death and some guy scores a goal to win the Stanley Cup and they get called back for a play that happened 30 seconds ago? Like, that'd be a buzz kill. Exactly. Like, yeah, like, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of that offside challenge, but once that goal didn't count, that was kind of the beginning of the end for them. I kind of said to myself, like, it's pretty much game over after this. I couldn't see them fighting back after that. When you When you look at a game like this, do you, like... Are you feeling discouraged after that loss, or are you feeling more like, oh, you know, they played well, they just had some things didn't go their way? I'm kind of in the camp of, yeah, it's just, you know what, they they played one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. They had their chances, they could have scored a couple goals, they had tons of chances, their goalie played well. Bottom line, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of the top hockey teams in the National Hockey League. At least it was, at the end of the day, the score doesn't look great. But for the people who actually watched the game tonight, you can kind of walk away being like they weren't they didn't get dominated for the most part. They had the most chances offensively. And I know Nashville had more shots, but it seemed like the Leafs had more dangerous chances towards their net than Nashville had towards the Leafs net. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. 
I like I, I made the Tampa comparison earlier because it's the same. I felt the same way after that game. It's just they, they just they they lost to a better team tonight, and it is what it is. And so I'm not I'm not looking at it as the end of the world. Just a tough night all around. Yeah, just just like I. Two points, but you know what? Two points means a lot right now. Like you look behind you, and Boston is starting to catch up a little bit, and Tampa's so far ahead that you're basically playing for home ice in the first round against the team in your division who's below you. That's what you're playing for right now. And two points means a lot, and you kind of wish you can get them against good hockey teams, but hopefully they can continue beating up on the shitty teams and getting where they need to be in the standings. Yeah, they're four points up on Boston as of this podcast, at least with 56, Boston with 52. Tampa is so far ahead. Tampa's 10 points ahead of the league. Yeah, they're so gone. Nobody's catching Tampa at this point, yeah. It's like a, almost a president's trophy. You might as well hand it to them already. Yeah, Sabres, 50 points. So, yeah, you're basically – you're the, the, it's for the rest of the season, barring Buffalo going on another run, which I don't think anyone sees happening. For the rest of the season, it's going to be the Leafs and Bruins battling – for who's going to get home ice in that first round series. Which means a lot because the last two times the Leafs went to Boston, the last two series they've lost in game seven in Boston. And usually I'm not a guy who's like home ice advantage is everything and it means so much because I believe you can go into another team's bar and win a hockey game. But history has proved that game seven in Boston is not a good thing. So these two points to stay ahead of them are pretty important no matter what point in the season. Agreed. And they actually play the Bruins this Saturday night. Yeah, I think that's the fourth of fourth game, right? Four or four games. Yeah, yeah. It's the last. It's their last meeting until likely round one of the playoffs. Yeah, well, they got they got them done quickly. Like, they still got to play Tampa three more times. Any uh, any more thoughts on the game tonight? I thought Matthews played well, had, had his best game in a couple. He had lots of jump tonight. Nice goal there that ended up getting called back. That was unfortunate. Um, th- that line, Matthews, Nylander, and um, Janssen was really skating tonight. Yeah, I thought, honestly, I thought the only line I thought that was kind of just like, nah, whatever, was the Kadri line, five on five. But early, I thought they were actually breaking the puck out, like exactly the way you would want them to. Like guys not blowing the zone, staying low, actually making an outlet pass. But really my note for tonight is Pekka Rene is just a legit Vesna goalie. Like this guy is, is a good goalie and Nashville's a team that's hard on their stick and they play a good system. So if you can't get on them early with some goals, like you're going to struggle to score against this hockey team. They're the best team in the league at keeping pucks out of their net. I know you have some thoughts on the struggling leaf power play as well. Oh, the leaf power play, man. Like, they, they showed the replay tonight. Colby Armstrong was going through it, and it's it's getting it over to the right side to either Marner or Nylander, but mostly Marner. And it's like just this slap pass to the front of the net hoping for a tip. It's just it's not working, and they've been ice cold for a while now. Like Maybe they'll have one game where they'll convert two or two, but game to game for the most part over the past month or two, like their power play has been really, really brutal to me. Like, it's very predictable. Matthews on the far side with the with the shot. That that's over now. Like teams have figured that out. He hasn't scored a goal from there in in months. So now it's up to Marner to either shoot the puck or he does his favorite little slap pass to the front of the net. And like twenty, like it, honestly, at this point, ten times out of ten, it's not doing anything. It's not going in the net. And their power play is a waste right now. Like Mike Babcock doesn't like to switch things up, but. 
I don't think it's so much personnel, but just actually setting up in their own and in, in, in their in the ozone and coming up with an effective way. Like you look at Tampa, it's like get the puck over to Kucherov or Stamkos one timer, boom. Get it over to Ovi one timer, boom. Get over to Lion A one timer, boom. Like it's just their power play compared to other top teams in the league is not very good right now when it comes to the effectiveness of how they're putting players in proper positions and getting good shots off. I agree with you. It, it's it's too and it, I find this with the a lot with the Leafs. It's it's too pretty. Like I love the Ovi example. It's like Ovi, you stand here at the top of the circle, and we're gonna get you the puck. And you're just going to wire it home. There's no, like you said, Marner slap passes. There's no, like, Matthews fancy shot. Like, there's there's none of that. It's just, this is what we know works. This is our most skilled player, and we're going to get the puck to him. And I, I, I agree with you. And I was going to ask you, you said it's not a personnel change. So you think it's a matter of... I think it's just com- a matter of coming up with a new game plan. Like, yeah. you can't put out any better players than what they have on the ice right now. This is These are the, all their best goal scorers on the ice. But it's well, just... Like, when's the last time Morgan Riley, like, fired a shot from the point on the power play? Like, never. And Austin Matthews is over on a strong side. I know Austin Matthews has one of the best wrist shots in the National Hockey League, but he's not exactly known for a huge one-timer, which usually the goal scorer possesses, like Brett Hall, Alex Ovechkin, even Lion A has it. He's got the shot. He's got, like, you're right, he's got that quick snap wrist shot, but I find he he doesn't take it enough. It's like Marner slap pass over to Matthews. Matthews pass over to Tavares. And it's just like, it's so much, it's like somebody just get in position and wire it home. It's not it's it's not rocket science. And one of the criti- biggest criticisms of Mike Babcock since he's been here is he it takes him too long to make adjustments and I think you're seeing that right now with the Leafs power play. And I don't know if it's Mike Babcock who's controlling the power play. Like it could be one of one of the assistant coaches. Uh, well, Jim he's Hiller. the head coach, Ryan. He's got he's got final say. Yeah, but it's just like, you know what? Like I just what they're doing right now. Like I'd rather see Marner just shoot the puck and take your chances at a rebound or a, or a deflection. I just don't like this slap pass, miss the net. Like half the time he doesn't even connect with anyone. It just goes wide and it rings back around the other side to Matthews or Marner. And teams have figured out that if you shut down that cross ice to Austin Matthews for the wrist shot, like you're leaving Marner out on an island. And as talented as Marner is, he he's not a guy who really scares you with a shot. I know a lot of people say he's an underrated shot, but compared against compare him to some of the best teams in the National Hockey League, some of the best players, it's it's not that elite, and teams are figuring that out. So this slap pass that does nothing, it's just they need to come up with something new, like come up with a new game plan. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been my criticism of them for a, a few weeks now, is it's just it's it's a lot of the same night in and night out, and we, we had a really like in-depth, passionate discussion about this last week. It's just... I I'm concerned going forward. Like I'm not seeing improvement. I'm seeing like stagnant. I'm seeing the same thing night in and night out. Like, like they had, they had an average Vancouver team come in here on Saturday night and they beat up on them all well and good. 
that that's that's exactly what they should do and we're all stoked when that happens but then you've got a legit cup team in here again tonight and what happens it's they can't they can't they run into a good goalie they don't know how to solve him they get dominated in their own zone at times power play is not clicking it's just the other team capitalize on their chances it's just it's 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 concerning man like I, I don't want to be negative guy I'm trying really hard in 2019 to turn a new leaf and not be the negative bud on this show but it's like I said to you last week man I I find I, I I'm not seeing progression I'm not seeing leaps forward I'm seeing the same things over and over and over again and I know they're a young team and like they're only going to get better and a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, all these guys will be that much more experienced and that much better. But it's frustrating to devote so much time to this team and just watch this, watch these trends just sort of stay, like watch everything stay as it is and not progress and improve. Am I am I being too harsh? Do you think I'm being too harsh? No, no, it's just like even tonight, like it's just we know that the book is out on the Leafs, like close the gap on their best players and be physical against them. And Mitch Marner tonight, five on five, had no room because as soon as he got the puck, there was two Nashville Predators a stick length away from him because they know not to give that guy space. Because when you give that guy space, it's trouble for you. And that, that that's all you need to do against the Leafs. Just as soon as one of those big boys gets the puck, you close the gap, you, you you eliminate the space, you be physical, and that's how you beat them. And if Freddie Gauthier or Par Lindholm or Connor Brown beat you that night, then okay, whatever, you can live with that. But don't let the big boys beat you, and these teams know that, so let's close the gap against Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and we're going to win a lot, and we're going to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs more often than well, not. Well, there's a huge part of the problem there. Like, you just hit on it. Like, at times the season when they've been on a roll and been winning five in a row, six in a row, they've been getting offense up and down the lineup, like secondary scoring up and down the lineup. Like to your point tonight, when the Nashville defenders are zeroing in on Marner, Matthews, uh, Tavares, there's nobody to sort of carry the mail and score the goal. Like Nazem Kadri didn't have his best game tonight. Like the fourth line is the fourth line. Sometimes they go out there. Trevor Moore has been an improvement on the fourth line for sure, but sometimes they go out there and they make a bit of noise, and other times they go out there and they just get hemmed in their own zone for 45 seconds. You've got you've heard me rant a few times about how Connor Brown and how he literally does nothing every time he's out there. Marlowe literally does nothing every time he's out there. So it's just, yeah, the, the, if, if they're going to, again, we, we, we always seem to come back to this, but it's like if they're going to progress and move forward, they need contributions up and down. Like, you can't just rely on Marner and Tavares to go out there and score two each every night. Matthews to get two. It's just, like, you can't win that way. Yeah, like, you know what? The fourth line right now, like, I'm okay with the fourth line right now because they're at least they're spending more time in the offensive zone than the defensive zone. But they're not really a line you can count on for a point a night or a point every two nights. Like, I, I see what you're saying, that your big boys have to score for you, but if you're going to beat these Nashvilles, these Tampas, like you, you could beat Vancouver with John Tavares, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. But if you're going to beat some of these best teams in the national hockey league, then you need that third line, fourth line scoring to step in and help you out. All right, before we move on, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up my totally unqualified take from last episode. I said, 
by the time we rolled around to tonight, there would be a backup goaltending controversy between Michael Hutchinson and Garrett Sparks. Ryan, do you feel that there is a backup goaltending controversy? I don't know, man. I'm really in the middle in this one. Because, like, let's not sit here and pretend that Hutchinson has been some legend in the net. No. But no. There, there, there is a more sense of calmness in his game in the net compared to Garrett Sparks. I, but- pro- I, I will say right now that, and I'm not just saying this because it was my take last episode, I prefer Hutchinson to Garrett Sparks. First of all, they're the same. Like, they're, they're a backup goaltender. So you're getting what you get. But Hutchinson has more experience, and I agree with you. He has that calmer demeanor as opposed to Sparks, who sort of flops around and kind of just swims in his net a little bit. Not saying Sparks is a bad goalie. He's not. But they're they're two different styles. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Like, it's it's it's, it's Garrett Sparks is your younger guy. He's the guy who you've been developing in your system for a long time now. He brought you a lot of success in the AHL. I know when you get to the NHL, the AHL, what you did there doesn't really matter. But it's... Do you want to, like, throw Garrett Sparks away for a guy that might be just a touch better and you just like watching in the net better? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to throw Garrett Sparks away because this guy is a little bit calmer in the net. At the end of the day, I know your backup goalie is pretty important, but I, I don't think it's, it's – I don't think he's won over the backup job over Garrett Sparks for me so far. All right, Rye. So we're going to switch it up a little bit this week. It's officially the midway point of the season. The Maple Leafs are currently sitting at 27-13-2. Good enough for second place in the division and second place in the East. So, we're going to... Usually when we do our bums and beauties every week, we... It's, it's just a segment we do at the end of the show and we name one each and it's fun and it lasts all of five minutes. We're going to do a long version of a bums and beauties tonight, a mid-season version. And we're going to go through who are, we're going to list off a bunch of our favorite beauties and a bunch of bums. And we're going to see, we're going to, we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to extend bums and beauties this week. Ryan, how do you feel about that? I like it. You know, it's mid-season. We are really at the halfway mark. So why not just cut the season in half, look back, look forward, Look at the good, look at the bad, and make this episode a little bit more fun with an early little bums and beauties here. And with that note, Mr. Announcer Man, hit the music. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right, an extra long version of Bums and Beauties this week. So, Ryan, let's start positive. Let's start with who our beauties are for the season. Let's get the obvious ones out of the way. I think if I had to list them all in order of like who's been the most important, who's been the best, who's been the most fun to watch, number one on my list, let me know if you disagree, is number 91, John Tavares has come 
totally is advertised. He's been worth every penny on pace to have the best year of his career. I don't think they'd be sitting in at their current place in the standings without him. John Tavares is my number one beauty in the blue and white halfway through the season. Yeah, you know, it's hard to disagree with. He he wasn't exactly my number one, but when it comes to a guy who's making this amount of money and a guy you expected to do a lot, I think 27 goals through half the season and 40, 40 and a half, 50 points is pretty good for John Tavares. And if he's not my number one, he's my number two or three. So he's right up there. But I'm going to go in a different direction. My number one is Morgan Riley. Oh, a good choice. And that's just because of the sheer, like there's no one who's improved more than this guy offensively because compare him to his last couple seasons, his point totals are way up. And you knew kind of Marner, Tavares, Matthews, they were going to kind of get better each year, add to their point totals, add to their goal totals. But I think just the sheer offensive capability and how much he's chipped in, I think it's really surprising how much Morgan Riley has chipped in offensively and where he is points-wise in the league right now. Almost at 50 points halfway through the season. I think he's at 45 right now. And... That's just a huge improvement. And to me, if, if if you take that big of a leap in a year and from season to season, and this guy is still growing, he's been in the league a long time, and he's my number one beauty because he seems just like a beauty in the dressing room. He's improved a ton. He's their best, best defenseman, could easily be the captain. So he's my, I think he's my number one beauty. I agree with you. Um, he's far and away their best defenseman. And at this point, he, he is my leading candidate for captain, and I'll tell you why. Because of everything you just said, and the fact that he's a homegrown guy drafted here. Like, I know Johnny T is, like, an obvious, like, given the experience and all that, but... I like the fact that Riley's been here. He's He's been here through the brutal years, too. He was here through all the Randy years and the Peter Horacek year and the first year with Babs. So he's like, he's stuck it out. So he's my front-running choice to be the next captain. That wouldn't be a wrong answer. I know everyone would be like, oh, what about Matthews? Is the franchise or Tavares. He's been in the league for a long time. First overall pick. But this guy's been a Maple Leaf for so long, seen several regimes. He's seen... Players come in and out of the locker room. He's their best defenseman. He can skate like the wind. He seems like a great dude. So honestly, if they named Morgan Riley captain in two minutes, it would not bother me whatsoever. I'd probably be happy with the decision, to be honest with you. All right, we're going to do some rapid fire here on the beauties, and I'll say some names, and we'll just comment on each of them. So let's get the obvious ones out of the way. Let's start with 34, Austin Matthews. Well, just the, the injuries kind of derailed his like point, point totals for the season. You want this guy to be in a heart trophy race, and the injuries kind of take him out of that. But if you look at his point totals and his goal totals through the games he has played, He's an elite hockey player, and he's one of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League. And at the beginning of the season, he said he wanted more assists, and he's gotten that. He's had just as many assists as he has goals. And he's been kind of cold as of late, but when it comes to just putting the puck in the net or getting your team going, like it's hard to argue that this guy is not an elite hockey player in the National Hockey League. I thought tonight was... Uh, like a better game for him he since he's come back from his injury he had the great ot winner against buffalo a few weeks ago and since then he's kind of like he hasn't been the dominant force that we're used to 
him being. And a lot of it is, you know, you're out for that period of time. You kind of fall behind everyone. The game is so fast. It takes a while. Just ask Willie Nylander about that. Yeah, exactly. How hard it is to just step in and keep up with everybody. So, understandably, he hasn't been uh, the awesome Matthews that we're used to seeing. But by no means does that mean he's been bad. He's he's been... uh, like I notice him every night that he's out there and he'll get back. He'll round back into form. He's, he's a guy who, who's just like he, when his confidence is going, he's unstoppable. And I think coming back from the injury kind of rocked his confidence a little bit. But like I said, I thought he had some jump tonight. It's a shame that that goal got called back, but tonight was a better night for him for sure. Yeah, Quick note on Matthews. Like I know he's a first overall pick. You expect the world from him because he's the guy who's supposed to turn this franchise around. But you look at a guy like Nate McKinnon, who was also a first round pick, extremely dynamic hockey player. He was, he didn't exactly light the world on fire in his, first two or three years in the NHL and look at him now he's he's right up there in points and he's just dominating the league so it's some I know it's his third year he's supposed to be an elite hockey player but this guy still will get better year after year like it's this isn't just the plateau for him this is what he's gonna be so I have a lot of faith in the guy and as long as he stays healthy then that's, that's all you need Mitch Marner, and let me preface it by saying I do not want to talk about contracts let's just talk about how he's been we've got all the rest of this season and we got all off season to talk about Mitch Marner's contract. So let's just talk about his performance through the first half of the season. Yeah, he's been he's been unbelievable. Like what can you say? He's in the top ten in points. Like he's just multi point nights, setting guys up, making Tavares better, making anyone on his line better, making unbelievable plays. If you give this guy space, it's it's dangerous. And He's a guy who strikes me as also a guy who's going to get better every single year because he's a little smaller physically, so every single year he's going to get a little bit stronger, and he's got all the skill in the world. So if you put him on a line with the right guy like John Tavares, he can lead a league or be in the top five in points and get a whole whack of assists and hopefully some more goals. But what like... He's been unbelievable. Like You can nitpick his game, but like what can you really say about the guy? Like He's been great this year. I could watch him skate forever. When he gets the puck on his stick, it's like electricity shoots through the arena. It's 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 fantastic. The guy is just like he is such an important piece. It's it's unbelievable. I I just I can't say enough about him. He's he's one of uh, some nights I go like Matthews is my guy, and then other nights I go, oh no, Marner's my guy, and then Matthews is my guy, and Marner's my guy. At this point, Ryan, they're they're like those two. It's it. I debate every night who's better. In some nights, it, it seems more clear than others. But right now, I would say those two are sort of on par with each other in terms of who can af- who can affect a game and who can take over a game. And I'd argue that Marner more and I granted Matthews had the injury, but you've heard me say on the show before, Mar like the, if somebody wanted to sit in front of me and say that Marner's a better player than Austin Matthews, there's a compelling argument to be made there, and it'd be hard to argue against it sometimes. Yeah, they're two. They do two different things on the ice. I think shift to shift. Not game to game, but shift by shift that Mitch Marner's a more impressive player than Austin Matthews. But Austin Matthews has that OT winner against Buffalo and those like unbelievable wrist shots that he can just put one in. He, the rest of his game could kind of be okay, but that one goal can kind of take you out of your seat. But I think shift by shift impact, I think Mitch Marner's 
probably a more impactful hockey player, but just Austin Matthews has that flair, that OT winner, that big wrist shot, that game-tying goal type of moxie to him. Okay, last um, obvious one. Freddie Anderson. Oh yeah, like just like I have nothing. Honestly, you're if you're looking for someone to say something bad about Frederick Anderson, don't look at me. Yeah. No, no, you're listening. You're listening to the wrong show. Yeah, like because I don't care if it's this year, last year, or the year before. This guy, I know he had a he's great. He's been great all year. And the last two years, he struggled early in the season. But you know what? I don't care, man. Like. I, I'm a guy where it's like a goalie. It's a, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. It's like a field goal kicker in football or a pitcher in baseball. It's one of the toughest jobs in sports. And this guy does it just about as good as anyone. And I have nothing bad to say about him. He keeps him in the game all the time. Seems like a beauty off the ice. And I, I just love the guy. I'll never say anything bad about him or rarely say anything bad about him. There's a 0% chance that they're sitting at 56 points second in the East ahead of Boston and um, Buffalo without him. 0% chance. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And his numbers this year are like better than his averages through his career. So he's clearly getting better every year. He's like ice cold in the net. He's rock solid, never too much emotion. He's always got the same demeanor. And he's he's the right age, and he's got a good contract. I know we're not going to talk contracts, but when you compare him to other goalies, he's got a good one. And it's just I I love the guy. He's just he, he that's the best Lou Lamorello deal when he was the general manager. That was the best thing he did while he was the Toronto Maple Leaf general manager was bring this guy in. Hopefully, he comes back off IR soon. Ba- Babs is doing the thing where he's like arguing in the media with the medical staff about how. He's not being told anything and he's apparently good to go. I'm like, I'm, you talk, you talked me off the ledge last week about him getting rest. However, if they're going to squander games away like they did tonight and like they did against Minnesota last Thursday, he needs to come back or else they're going to fall behind Boston and lose that home ice advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, which they can't, they can't afford to lose. But as long as they, they, they're, they're still. Four points ahead of the Bruins, right? Yep. So it's it's if they just keep on getting a good pace, they they they're going to stay ahead. Right now, they they're in a tough goalie position. But if he comes back and he's healthy and he plays, I honestly believe that they can push forward and get that home ice advantage. But it, it shows just how important this guy is. Like everyone knows, if you don't have your starting goalie who can give you. 60 games, 55 games a year, then you're seriously in trouble. All right, let's do a couple um, quick-fire beauties, uh, and then we'll get into some of our bums. Um, We've talked a lot on the show about Kasperi Kapanen. He's uh, cooled off in the last few weeks, no question about it, basically since Nylander's come back. But um, he was a key component earlier in the season and helped them get to where they are now. I'm uh, I'm big on Andreas Janssen. I really like him with Matthews. He can skate with Matthews. Matthews seems to really like playing with him. Um, I think he's got so much upside. He th- There's a guy who uh, is only going to get better, and I w- would like to see what he's going to look like as like a second or third year pro. Um, give me some thoughts on either one of those two. Yeah, Kapanen's just a guy who you know you he can step into your top six and play on a top six line, first or second line, and could play on the power play and play on the penalty kill. He's a pretty useful hockey player. Like, he's he's not an elite hockey player. I don't think he's a guy who's going to 
be up there in the point leaders in the National Hockey League, but a guy on your team who's fast, who can kill penalties, who can play in your top six, like that's useful to your hockey team. And Andreas Janssen's a guy for me who just needs more reps. Like every time he gets more reps in the National Hockey League, he looks a little bit better to me. And him being on a top six forward line is more beneficial to him because he plays a more skilled hockey game but it's just his speed is his best asset and speed is everything in the NHL now so if you can have a guy who can skate like him then you're you're doing pretty well and I, I like him as a player I, I think he's a good hockey player any guys that you want to call out before we move on to uh our midway season bums yeah I'm gonna me and you might disagree on this one and I haven't brought up his name a lot but honestly, I think Ron Hainsey's been a kind of a beauty halfway through the season so far. Oh, no, listen, listen, listen. I don't disagree with you. And I don't... Ron Hainsey is an important part in that blue line. Just not on the top pair, ideally. Yeah, he's not an ideally top pair guy. But there's... Like, he's been mainly invisible this year. But when Ron Hainsey... Compared to other hockey players, when Ron Hainsey's invisible, like, that's a good thing. Because that means he's doing his job. And you look at his numbers, yeah, he's never going to get a lot of assists or goals because he's mainly a five-on-five penalty killer. But the guy's plus 23 right now. Like, that that's like that doesn't mean nothing. Like, I'm not a huge plus-minus guy. Like, But when you're plus 23, like that, that that's pretty good. That means no, you're usually on the ice for more goals. That does mean you're on the ice for more goals than against. All right, before we move on to uh, our... Um bum selections i want to just make sure we don't forget to uh, just a quick mention of nazem kadri i know he's been uh snake bit offensively at times this year but we've talked about him a bunch on this show and just how important his grit is to this team and just i love him i love him when he gets like that chip on his shoulder and starts playing with edge and he'll he'll come out of it and he's going to be an important guy going into boston come playoff time so i just want to make sure we don't forget to include Nazem Kadri in the the beauty section of this. I'll forgive Nazem Kadri for his regular season as long as he shows up in April and plays like Nazem Kadri. And he's got the short end of the stick with with Tavares coming in too. Like he's he had he's the person who suffered the most from that signing. All right. And with that, it is time to transition into our mid-season bum selections. I will name the first one, Ryan, and I'm going to take my life into my hands with this one because one thing I've learned since this guy has come back is he has some disciples, man. Like, he has some guys who just love him, but I'm sorry. Just and based on the first half of the season, my number one bum is William Nylander. Just caused so much drama with his contract negotiations through the first two months, three months of the season. And since he's come back, like sure, he's had moments where he's looked like the William Nylander of old, but overall he has not looked very good. I don't like his effort a lot of the time. I I think he's really soft. And I know the Nylander disciples will get on me and be like, well, it's not his style. What do you want him to do? Go out there and be a tough guy? But it's like, no. I Like, why can Marner go in there? And why can little Mitch Marner go in the corner and come out with the puck? And William Nylander never seems to be able to do that. So just listen. I don't hate the guy. I, I, I've, I've seen his upside through the last few seasons hopefully he gets back there this year and eventually gets into the shape that we need him to be in come April but just based on the first half of the season he is my number one selection just way more negative than positive surrounding 
William Nylander. Yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, I'll forgive him for his contract negotiation because at the end of the day, the guy's getting paid. He wants to get paid, and he got paid. But since he's been back, dude, like, he's been terrible. Like, tonight is the last straw for me. I know he scored finally, but, like, just shift by shift, he's just so inconsequential, and he's he's brutal. Like, I, I just, I, I'm, honestly, I've got to the point where I'm sick of it. Like, I get it. Like, I, the trainer said it would take him 12 games to get back into game shape. But you know what? I believe there's a lot of other hockey players in the NHL that would go through the same things he did and come back and be more effective than he has. Because if he's not yeah. scoring, he's pretty much useless, which is the, the James Van Riemsdyk syndrome. Because I, I just all over the ice, the way he carries the puck, the, I know he's good on his zone exits, but like that means nothing. You don't pay a guy $7 million a year for a zone exit. You pay him to score, and he hasn't done that. So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's my number one because the bums are tough because, you know what, they've had a pretty good year. It's hard to rank them, but he's right up there because he's been just – he's been brutal since he's been back, and I'm sick of him. He needs to start playing better, playing tougher, scoring more goals, and it, I don't know. He's, he's driving me nuts. You're taking your life into your own hands too because – I don't care. I've Defend him. Oh, Go. Yeah. I want to hear your argument. Please change my mind. Please. Yeah, I but I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. It's just it's it's just it's so you're right. He's not getting paid seven million dollars a season for zone entries. And I, I'm it's, sorry, like I, I, I'm so sick of the argument. You got to give him time. That's over now. He's been yeah, back. Yeah. He's a skilled hockey player. I don't care if this is the NHL. If he's that skilled, he'll figure it out. And he hasn't. He's been horrible. He's taken a ton of penalties. He injured Garrett Sparks. I know it's not as in control. He was offside tonight. He tipped yeah, in the yeah, Nashville you took, goal. He took the words right out of my mouth. He was he was offside tonight on what would have been Matthew's goal. Changed my mind. Yeah. What's your argument? I want to hear it. Send send us an Instagram post. Yeah. Like DM us. Yeah. Give me your argument because yeah. he's been horrible. All right. Moving on. I'll let you name the next one. Who's been? Who's uh, who's next on the bum list for the? Yeah. Maybe it's not just people for me, but I think. I know we mentioned Nazem Kadri earlier, and yeah, he brings his Nazem Kadri game, and you hope he brings it in the playoffs, and that will kind of make you forget about the regular season. But at the beginning of the year, with Tavares coming in, you thought Kadri moving down to the third line would even add like more scoring depth. Like That's the mismatch. If you put Kadri's five-on-five, five, his line out there against the third D pair, he should rip them up. And he's had tons of combinations on that line this year. He's had so many different wingers. But that overall, whoever's been on his wing, that line five-on-five five has not been very good offensively. And that, that's that been a problem for me. And it's not a huge deal, so, but I think this he is, had higher expectations than what he, they've delivered so far. So this is a Talking Buds first. For the first time in the history of Talking Buds and Bums and Beauties, a player is... And a player finds himself in the middle. Nazem Kadri is half beauty and half bum. Yeah, it's and it's not necessarily his fault. Like it could be his wingers, it could be him. Like we don't know. Like there's been Marlowe, Brown, Kapanen, Janssen. He's had every he's had a ton of guys on that line, but that line five on five just doesn't seem to be very dangerous offensively. And Kadri also is pretty misused on the power play as well. He kind of sits in the middle of the ice and doesn't really do anything either. So it's just, 
I feel like you could get more offensively out of this guy and his line. And I think that line right now, it's not a big deal, but when you're playing these Nashville teams, these lightning teams, you're going into the playoffs, that line's going to be really important to chip in offensively. And they need to start doing that if they want to get deep into the playoffs. I know we just talked about Ryland Hainsey in the uh, beauty section, but I want to put the Maple Leaf defense core as a whole in the bum section because it just, it hasn't been good enough. Like sure. Riley's been really great offensively. Sure. Hainsey as solid at times back there, but like you look at the other four guys, it's like Zaitsev like invisible, like invisible night in and night out. Gardner, same old, same old. Goes out there one shift, looks great, always in the offensive zone, is a complete liability defensively, turns the puck over like nothing I've ever seen. It's just, it's it's so frustrating with Jake Gardner. Travis Dermott, tons and tons of upside. Still a really young player who struggles in his own zone at times and has Gardner-esque turnovers. Igor Ojaganov. If you look up the term just a guy, you see Igor Ozhiganov's picture beside it. Because that's what he is. He's just a guy. There are a zillion Igor Ozhiganovs around the league. And that's what he is. I guess he's a sixth defenseman. But like the 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 blue line as a whole has not been good enough. And if they're going to do anything in the postseason, it needs to get better and I don't see any help coming, so I guess this is it for the rest of the year. So it doesn't make me feel very confident. There, I just I don't know if it's schematically back there, Ryan. I don't know if it's talent. It's it's probably both, but it's it's not good enough to me. I'm with you in a sense. Like, yeah, the D is frustrating some night, but on my end of the bum side, I'm gonna place it 50-50 with the D and the forwards. Because it's not always about the defensemen getting out of their own zone. They need someone to pass to. They need options. They need guys being hard on the puck when they don't have an outlet and they have to chip the puck up the boards because some guy's about to nail them. They need a forward there for them. And I think the forwards are pretty brutal in the in their own end too. They blow the zone early. They don't. They're not hard on their sticks when they well, do. Well, a get lot the of puck. that, Ryan, is this. A lot of that's the stretch pass that the they're just so insistent on performing every night and like don't get me wrong when the stretch pass works it really works and it's great but not every time and all a co- all a good coach needs to do is watch a bit of film and see that that's what they want to do so it's like forwards get in there and put pressure on the leap defenseman will turn the puck over especially turnover machine like jake gardner so i agree with you the forwards can be a little lazy sometimes but it's also schematically they try and do that stretch pass and doesn't always work out and it gets to your point earlier that you made about the power play and maybe they need to look at changing up a little bit and this might be another thing that they might need to look at changing up a little bit yeah it's a high risk pass and if you're making high risk pass it's gonna lead to more turnovers than not because it's a high risk pass it's like throwing a deep ball in the nfl it's probably has a better chance of being intercepted than a short pass because that's just the way it is and sometimes i feel like the d yeah my problem with the d is they're too soft Like, at the end of the day, they're going to give the puck away, the stretch pass, the forwards aren't back, but my biggest problem with the decor isn't exactly giving the puck away, it's just being soft in front of their own net, in the corners, 
Sometimes they'll shy away from a check, a four check that's coming their way, which will also lead to a giveaway. So when it comes to making a pass out of their zone, I, I kind of 50 50 it with the forwards and the D, but I would like to see the D core to be a lot more physical and tough on their sticks and tough in the corners than they are right now. We can't move on from the bum section, Ryan, without mentioning downtown Connor Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, downtown, man. He's having a tough year, bro. Like, I, I, I'm, I, you like the guy, you know? Like, you know if you knew the guy, you would love the guy. And if he was on your team, he'd be a beauty and you'd root for him. I'm starting to feel a bit but like, sorry for him. Just like offensive, he's allergic to offense this year. He's allergic. He can't score. He can't yep. make a pass. He can't set up a play. He can't even get an assist. He can't forecheck. Can't yeah, like check. it's just he he's kind of in that zone right now where he's just it's a whole lot of work and a, and a, and nothing to show for it. And yeah, I know this, but like he's a good penalty killer. But like you know what, you could teach any guy to be a good penalty killer. Like no offense to penalty killers, but you can teach a guy to kill a penalty. It's not that hard. And, and it's just, but offensively, five five on five, Connor Brown is useless right now offensively. And you want to see more offense from the guy. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in, spread the word, tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Right before we conclude the uh, half season episode here on Talking Buds, I wanted to uh, get into some storylines and things we'll be looking for for the second half of the season. First thing I wanted to talk about, we're going to lay it out here to you and you let me know what you think. Do you think Kyle Dubas will go and get some help on the blue line? Uh, I think he will make a deal, and if he, he does get help on the blue line, I feel like it's going to be in that third pair range. He's Unless there's like a one in a million chance of landing a top four guy, which I don't think is going to happen, then they'll do what they did the past couple of years with the fourth line centers and maybe try to add a guy who maybe can replace Oshiganov. Even though I don't think Oshiganov, I know he's just a guy, but there's been worse guys who are just a guy, you know? Zaitsev. The the worst the worst contract the Leafs have. I know a lot of people would say Patty Marlowe. Yeah, but he's got he's got one year after this. Yeah, yeah. The worst contract the Leafs have is Nikita Zaitsev. He's invisible. Yeah, that that is an awful deal. They handed that prematurely. Yes. Like, whoa. Yes. You were just you were just giving Lou credit for the deal that he made with Freddie Anderson. This is probably the worst thing Lou did in his time as Leafs GM was sign Nikita Zaitsev to this long term deal. Yeah, I, I don't put the Patty Marlowe contract even close to that one. I'm with you. I if they, if they go and get some help on the blue line, I don't see it being like a 
Petrangelo, Dougie Hamilton type. I see it being somebody you're right on the third pair, second pair-ish. I don't know. They can't go out and get somebody with a halfway decent salary until they've figured out Matthews and Marner. Like, they, like they just can't. They can't. Like, first of all, you're not going to give up assets to bring in a rental. I just don't see them going that route. So they're they're not going to go and bring in some guy with term and a high dollar figure until Matthews and Marner are figured out. It's just not happening. No, I can't see them even moving guys like Janssen and Kapitan this season either because they're going to want to sit and think about that because those guys are contributing this year and what you have this year and the guys who are contributing you want to keep around. So I don't really see them like pulling the trigger on moving a guy like that, which those are the guys you have to move to get someone like any good. All right, I just alluded to it. I know I said earlier no contract talk, but let's be honest, if we're talking about things that everyone will be watching for the second half of the season, it's Matthews and Marner's deals. Do you see one of or both of them being signed before the end of the season? Zero percent chance, and we're never going to talk about it again after this. I agree with you. Because it's not going to happen. I agree with you. I don't see it happening either. Any any goof that's reporting and saying that the, a deal is that is a possibility before the season ends, then you just don't know the NHL because that never happens. Yeah, that, when does that ever happen? Never. I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't see it happening. I, hopefully they can get it done so it doesn't bleed into training camp next year, but I don't see it happening before this season is over there's there's just there's just no way that's happening yeah that's that's an off-season thing and it's just there's I honestly put it at zero percent chance yeah I would I would say the same can the Maple Leafs overcome the psychological and physical hurdle that is the Boston Bruins yeah, I'm I'm in the camp that they can. I honestly believe that they can beat the Bruins in a seven-game series. I know we, we've outlined in the last couple episodes, if you've been listening to this podcast, or even if you're a first-time listener, we, oh, we've talked about the struggles and how soft they are against a team like the Bruins and the demons that they have to face when they face the Bruins. But I honestly believe that they have the team this year to beat them. And because I don't think the Bruins are the be all end all. Like the Boston Bruins aren't winning the Stanley Cup. You no, know? but I think I think there's a there's definitely a psychological thing there. And I think it's very, very important if they're going to beat because like let's be honest. We said it earlier, barring some sort of like somebody gets injured or something, they're gonna end up playing Boston in the first round again. I think it's super important that they get the home ice advantage in that series. There's something about TD Garden that just gets in all of their heads. You can see it on all their faces, Freddie Anderson included. That barn just scares the you-know-what out of most of the guys on that team. And so uh, that's why I think it's really, really important to get home ice in that first round. First two games at Scotiabank Arena. It's, it's imperative if they're going to win that seven-game series, in my opinion. Yeah, I I said earlier, I'm not a huge home ice guy, but when it comes to this series and these two teams facing off against each other, I think it is so important for the Maple Leafs to get that game seven at home. If it because chances are it will go that far if they play each other. I don't see one team sweeping the other team. It's going six or seven. Anything that you're going to be watching for in the second half of the season? 
Honestly, like we could sit here and talk about the things that they don't do well and hope that they improve. But me and you both have talked about that we don't really see them getting better at the things they're not very good at right now. So I think just what you got to look for is they got to continue beating the teams that they can beat to get those points in the standings. And when they play those good teams, it's a it's a coin flip. Because I thought they played pretty well against Tampa. They lost. I thought they played pretty well tonight and they lost against Nashville. So if you can just collect those two points against the teams that you know you can beat, then I feel like that will be enough for them to get that home ice advantage going into the playoffs. So it's continue to beat the teams that you can beat and not have any clunkers against some bad hockey teams. Like this coming Thursday, they head to New Jersey to play the Devils. There's a game right there. It's like you've played well against them this year. That should be an easy two points. Go in and get the two points because then you got Boston coming into Scotiabank Arena on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example. That's the team you've dominated all year. You go in Thursday and you dominate them again. Exactly. And then try and then having Boston come in on Saturday night is good. It's in it's in our barn. We're just like the psychological element of TD Garden shouldn't be there. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. I really hope it's not the same experience as it was the last time they played Boston on a Saturday night. Which it, you hope it wouldn't be. You think you think these guys would be up to play these guys. And they usually play them better at home. Hence why we talk about home ice advantage is good for them in this playoff series that they could be having against the Bruins. But you just you think by now they would know like Boston, we're playing the Bruins like we got to play a little better than we do most nights because this team could embarrass us again. And then a week tonight, Monday night, the Colorado Avalanche come to Scotiabank Arena, Ryan. Yeah, these Western Conference games against these teams you only play twice a year, like you just don't know. Like when you play against teams in your own division or even in in the Metro, like you can got you can have a better read against like you have a better read on how they're going to play. But when they're playing these teams that they you never see and you, they play twice a year in in obscurity, like they just it, it's hard to predict. That that's a that team is a lot like the Dallas Stars, just a one line hockey team. You shut down their first line, you can have success against them. And with that, I think that will conclude episode fourteen of Talking Buds, Ryan. We will see you next week for episode fifteen following the Colorado Avalanche game. Any closing thoughts before we shut her down, Ryan? No, I enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit of a different pace. A lot of bums, a lot of beauties, a lot of thoughts, a lot of predictions, a little bit of everything. I know sometimes it sounds like I get down on them when I say things like I'm not seeing improvement, but you know what? They're second place in the East. It's been an extremely fun first half of the season. Really looking forward to what the second half of the season brings. Let's get Freddie back. Let's get him healthy. Let's get him back between the pipes. Let's go on a bit of a run here. Let's accept the fact that we're probably going to see Boston in the first round and get ready for that. And just, I'm ready to go, buddy. Oh, yeah, same. Well, it's just, we and you, we, we watch every game. We do this weekly. So when you're dissecting game to game, you're going to be a little bit emotional. But there's also the big picture where it's, If they don't win this year, it's not the end of the world. They still got a good core. They're going to keep going forward. But doing a weekly podcast like this, it's tough not to get down on them, especially in a one game like tonight. Like after tonight, you're kind of like, ah, dude, maybe they're not good enough. But then they go dummy Vancouver and you're like, oh, man, this team's pretty good. Yep. 
Yep. And I'm, I've, I have a feeling hopefully that's what we'll see on Thursday night against New Jersey. And with that... Yeah, they should be able... That's a team they got to run through. And with that, we'll see everybody next week. I'm Matt Cundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.